This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Once again, we are picking away at different questions that have been sent in to us. If you also have things that you would like us to talk about, um, either individual questions or topics, please just send them to the Gospel for Life Idaho at gmail.com. And one of us should, and when I say one of us, that's actually been assigned to me. So somebody will reply to you, and we may or may not address your topic on the radio, or we just might engage with you as individuals but we, we won't will. we won't ghost you yes and we won't right. ghost you and if we do that's just an oversight on my part you do not have to blame my brothers that are around the table with me that would fall on my docket of responsibilities so i would apologize so just send another email yes to russ that's right <laughs> and around the table with us today is matt mashevich from Sovereign Grace Fellowship in Nampa. It's always good to have you with us. Good to be back. Guest, but not really a guest. He has been so faithful in filling in for us when some of us have to be out of town. Vinny is out of town this particular moment, and so Matt was willing to come in and fill that spot, and so we appreciate that. And Thank you. And so then that we thought, you know what? We just bring out the hard listener questions yeah, yeah. and have Matt also <laughs> deal with those. The last couple of days, we dealt with some questions just more on an economic, governmental side of things. Now we're going to turn our attention a little bit more towards the church and life within the church. And the first one is really dealing within the category of error, those that teach things that are false, contrary to God's word, and really trying to discern when is it where somebody says something that's an error? When do we label them a false teacher? When do we label them a, a heretic that needs mm-hmm. to be avoided? What kind of counsel would you give to someone that's trying to to navigate those waters of saying, okay, I, I disagree with them here. I think they might be an error. When does that become they're a false teacher? When does that become a heretic? We're, we're talking about a whole continuum of things. Yep. So, so in one sense, uh, if it's a denial of the gospel, if it's a denial of the divinity of Christ, if it's, I mean, of who God is, those things are heretical. But, but they're also within the interpretation of significant passages of Scripture, we find that there are errors. And while, for instance, uh, the reformers, you know, particularly with the canons of Dort, they were dealing with the, with what they referred to as an error. It does affect the heart of the gospel, but there was a big interpretation problem, and so they didn't go so far as to say these are heretics. They they said we deny the error of such and such. We deny the error of such and such. I. I don't think I'm going to make anybody uncomfortable with this example, but 
and surely not to to pick on Matt. Um, because oh no, here it comes. <laughs> but it, we would disagree on baptism. Yes. And naturally, since we disagree, both of us would say about the other person, we believe they're in error. That is correct. But I wouldn't label Matt as a false teacher, and I, I don't I, – I should have maybe asked off the air. But I don't think Matt <laughs> would also say – would label me a false teacher. No, on the contrary. So that we would, we would disagree. <clears throat> we would believe that – and just by the rules of logic, one of us has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And, I guess we both could be wrong somehow. Yeah, I don't know how that could be, but theoretically, yeah. So, so here's the thing: when it comes to labeling someone a false teacher, right now, what I'm seeing in the culture, when I say the culture, I'm talking about the Christian culture. So, aiming the guns at us, mm-hmm. we label everybody that we disagree with a false teacher, mm-hmm. and if everyone's a heretic, no one's a heretic. So, we have to have open hand issues and closed hand issues. And we have to have the proper things in each hand. So, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, things like the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the, the, the physical resurrection, you know, the right. trinity, the gospel, things like that, yes, those are closed-hand issues. But when it comes to secondary or even third or tertiary issues, such as uh, baptism, while very important, you know, mm-hmm. very important doctrine, it's, it's not one of those doctrines that we would – call each other false teachers over so like you can have errant views on the baptism on baptism baptism issues that actually touch the gospel yes Mm -hmm. and so then all of a sudden you can you can have a a hold a position on baptism that denies the gospel then you then then you've got a problem then Mm -hmm. it it moves such as baptismal regeneration that's correct right so then now all of a sudden something becomes a a a primary because it touches a gospel issue right um but we that believe in covenantal baptism and those that believe in credo baptism both agree that baptism is a picture of the person and work of Jesus Christ with regard to salvation. Yeah. We don't disagree on that topic. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, particularly the work of the Holy Spirit in washing and regenerating us. Mm-hmm. I mean and being you know poured out upon us or But if yeah. you disagree on on the on what is being symbolized, well now you are it changes the dynamic uh, and the labeling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you can be a false teacher with regard to a sacrament, right? Absolutely, on, yeah. on both both for Pado Baptist and for Credo Baptist. That's correct. Right. That's correct. And so yeah. then, and so it, it's, and I think this is what Matt was saying. There's a lot of nuance. There's a you, there's a lot of care that has to be given in in using words because words matter. And I think one thing that's important in this discussion is that, as you know, Matt, you pointed out, and as we all agree, you know, that the word heretic is just thrown out, or heresy is thrown out. Uh, far too often that it's losing its power. And I think we need to understand that if something is to be considered a true heresy, I think the broad church has to mm-hmm. declare it a heresy. If someone is a, going to be a heretic, I think they're the the broad church, the courts have to declare that person a heretic. It is not, I don't we think, don't have the individual responsibility to make mm-hmm. that declaration and uh, someone could be, you know, teaching a heresy or teaching things close to a heresy that the church has decided, but it's still, 
it needs to be left up to the courts of the church to actually yeah. declare that individual heretic. This is the benefit in one sense of being part of a federated body, you know, a denomination or something where they come together and they begin to address those things. And so, you know, sometimes some years back we saw, you know, the, the Presbyterian Church, the Reformed Church and others all uh, making a declaration about something that was a very popular topic, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years ago. But and and in declaring that that as as being in error and being wrong, that issue seemed to die down uh, to mm-hmm. some degree within those those bodies. And I think there's wisdom and and trying and discernment that is becoming less and less used within the church. Mm-hmm. And so there's become this idea of well, if I disagree with this person on issue X then I can't read them on anything A through Y. That's, yeah. that's so true. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, we actually have our own little cancel culture within the Christian church. Oh, gosh, that's a great oh, way wow. to put it. <laughs> and he went there. I, sorry. <laughs> and I think we have to be careful. Again, direct your emails to Russ. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, and in, but as a pastor, I also have to be careful. That's correct. That I, when, you know, like for instance, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of quotations maybe in a sermon. Uh, you know, that you're using, you're benefiting from your own reading, and you're referencing that as you're you're delivering a message. But there are times when I want to say uh, a certain man said, and there's other times when I want to give, a, a, you know, say, well, this is from that great Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you so there. I don't mind them reading Charles Spurgeon, but that certain man, I'm uh, I'm aware of certain errors that he's fallen into, so I'm not really directing them to that person. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's wisdom. That's not canceling. That's mm-hmm. just saying I, I want to guard my flock. Mm-hmm. And it's something it, that we always, as ministers, have to be on our toes with because these things always have a habit of they're always there, yeah, and they're always kind of coming back and. Um, things that are declared a heresy may go away for a time, but then they're starting to come back, and we have to be watchful of that and be careful. And also, it's so difficult when you have so many voices out there speaking. Sometimes people will ask me about a certain author or a certain podcast or book, and honestly, I oftentimes say, I, I know of the person, but I've never read everything that they've ever written, so I can't give you a definitive on anything, mm-hmm. but right. you know, go into it with wisdom. And I think that's where confessionalism actually mm-hmm. is very helpful, too. It's kind of a guardrails for these things. Right. right. Well, and I think we can benefit from – so if we just throw a name out there, I know that Tim Keller has become a, like a swear, swear word for some within the Reformed world. Well, I just read a book by Tim Keller – where he was dealing with forgiveness. And I benefited greatly from the book. Mm-hmm. And so in that particular realm, in that particular topic, with, within that stream, I knew I could benefit from his decades of pastoral ministry and counseling mm-hmm. that would help me be better informed on that topic. Well, I do think that we have, find it a much easier to be critical of the dead rather than the living person like Tim Keller or Doug Wilson or something like that because there's followers of of them. So when you critique them in one area, it sounds like you're critiquing their whole life and ministry. And I think that we have to be careful about that. That's true. Um, so, so uh, you know, 
I for one, I I enjoyed Tim Keller's ministry in the '90s. I I, I even was, had a subscription for his tapes. Listened to all of them each week, and I, I benefited greatly. He's a, I would refer to him as one of the growth rings in my life. But you know, at the same time. By listening to him, I also engaged with him in such a way that I had differences because I had other voices talking to me. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the only voice that was that I was listening to and you know, reading through scripture and studying other things. There were areas in which I could say, you know, I disagree with I, I disagree, for instance, on how you you know, to the extent you push social justice. I disagree with that. I disagree with your your view of you know you're you're just brushing up to theistic evolution. I disagree with that. But you know, for instance, we we talked about this the other day. Russ and I we were talking about how much we benefited from his definition of idolatry. Mm-hmm. Um, his book, Counterfeit Gods. Yeah, the Counterfeit really Gods. Um, you can read his book, Reason to Believe. You know, and pass that to a, an unbeliever and and. That helps them walk through certain things. So I think that we have to be, you know, while we have differences, you know, with authors, and we we need to really be careful what we're what we're doing when we give somebody something like that. So I think to just wrap this whole conversation up, what we're going to say is, when you're dealing with disagreements with others, use speech well. Be clear about what you're saying. If there, it's so when a, you write us, be kind. Be, be kind. That's right. <laughs> Season your words with salt. But also use discernment. Mm-hmm. And this is why God graciously has given us the church and leadership within the church to help us in those areas to navigate those waters and and to to read well, to to use speech well, and not engage in in disagreement like the culture. Well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>